This is episode 102 of the Christian Travelers Network. Today we'll be talking about what makes Yellowstone National Park unique with Natalie Ogborn. Welcome to the Christian Travelers Network, where travel stories, community, and scripture combine. Hey, Christian Travelers. I'm so glad that you are here. Natalie is joining us to talk about Yellowstone and how she almost kind of grew up in it in a sense, and it has made a lasting impact on her and how it can make a lasting impact in your faith life as well. But before we dive into all of that, I want to once again point you to our website, christiantravelers.net. There you'll find other faith and travel resources, links to our giveaway that we're running right now, and of course, our social media travel bookings and our 2021 Ultimate Retreat Kit, uh, Recline at the Table. And we'll talk about more of that at the end, but who wants to wait for that? So without further ado, Natalie Ogborn is a once reluctant hiker who has learned that finding her way in the woods helps her walk by faith in her everyday life. A Midwestern with a long-standing fear of cows, she has survived a snowmobile windshield to nostril standoff with a half-ton bison, a trip into the backcountry with a recreationally unstable fly fishing guide, and a trek across the edge of a cliff pursued by a wandering bear. She tells tales from the trail to encourage others to engage their terrain and navigate the landscapes of life by faith. Hey, Natalie, how's it going? It's going really well. Thanks for that uh, introduction. Yes, those sound like some interesting stories. Can you tell us a little bit about them? I, I can. Um, I will just start by telling you that my typical uh, travel companions right now are my husband and our three kids. Uh, I've been married to my husband for 28 years and our children, two are in college, and one is a junior in high school, and at least some of those people have been present in all of those particular events, um, and I think I'll tell you about the bison, because the fact that I have a lifelong fear of cows is kind of important <laughs> when it comes to that particular story, um, and the weird thing about that is I actually grew up, uh, my early years were spent on a farm. And I, I would see the cattle, and I would, I would just, their eyes creeped me out. I was sure that they were plot. I'm still sure that cows are plotting something against me, like if I could only get across that fence. And uh, so, and, and when I was pretty young, my grandpa called me to his side out, out by the pasture, and he said, Tilly, I would never keep a mean bull, but I don't ever want you to go into the pasture if there's a bull out there. And a bison resembles a bull far more than it does a cow. They just, uh, it looks like a, like one of the bulls that would have been in the pasture. So they, they intimidate me. And that isn't really helped by the fact that when I was in Yellowstone, a ranger once told me that she had worked with bears in Alaska. And she was more nervous around bison than bears. And bears are scary, you know. Bison look docile, but I know they're not. And the first year that my husband and I went to Yellowstone in the winter, we 
um, discovered really quickly that we were going to have to share the road with bison because bison are pretty smart and they realize that it's easier to walk across what serves as a road in the wintertime, which uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's a groomed, packed snow surface on top of the regular road, and it's much easier to travel over that than wade through the deep snow when they're moving from one place to another. And so the first day my husband and I went out hiking, or not hiking, but snowmobiling, um, we saw a group of bison heading our way, single file, on the road. And if you're in Yellowstone in the winter, snowmobiling, you have to stay on the road. You can't leave leave the road. And so we slowed down, and, and they passed in single file on their side of the road, and we slowly made our way past them on our side of the road. And I was petrified because I'm afraid of all bovine. And... Um, then we came upon another small group, and there were snowmobiles in front of us waiting to pass that one because you just do it one snowmobile at a time. You don't all go barreling past them. We made it past that one. And then we came upon a larger group. Um, it was a dozen or more bison traveling the same direction that we were. Um, they were on the left side of the road. We were on the right side of the road. And we were probably the sixth or seventh snowmobile in line. And so one snowmobile would very slowly pass the group of bison that were strung out um, in single file. And they just, one at a time, they would go. And I had my arms wrapped around my husband, and I'm kind of peeking out from underneath my snowmobile helmet. And I could just see the eyes of these bison as they're trotting down the road. And, and I was pretty petrified. And our turn came along, and um, my husband was just getting ready to, to accelerate to move past the bison. And one of the larger bison in the group pivoted. He, he kind of walked our direction and pivoted right in front of us. And so he was literally, his nose and eyes were where our eyeballs were. You know, we were just face-to-face -face oh. with him across the the snowmobile windshield and um, oh. I was I was petrified and and I felt really alone um, and and not alone like my husband wasn't with me but collectively alone like you know we, we were gonna die mm -hmm. you know because bison are dangerous and I saw the snowmobile in front of us get all the way they had gotten all the way past but the woman on the back turned and saw what had happened and I saw her just wail on her partner's shoulder to get them to stop and I thought okay well we're not alone they can't do anything but we're not alone and um, mm. I, I don't know how I communicated to my husband because I didn't really want to yell but we both had on snowmobile helmets and there was a snowmobile running and I said what are we going to do where are we going to go? Because I just wanted to get off the snowmobile. I, I wanted to be out of the presence of that animal. And he said, stay on the snowmobile, Matt. Just stay on the snowmobile. And um, we we just sat there. I don't know for how long. And he just stood there. There was nowhere we could go. And uh, I, 
honestly have no recollection about whether I prayed or just sat there in my own terror. Um, but he moved exactly the way he had gotten into our path. He pivoted back out and he just started trotting away. And, um, Jamie, my husband, <laughs> accelerated probably more quickly than he typically did going past the, the bison. And the people on the snowmobile in front of us took off at that point. But the woman turned and she waved. And I know that I was so grateful because I felt like God had provided companionship, even though they couldn't do anything. Mm-hmm. And that reinforced to me the sense that even though I felt alone, we were not alone. And that God God mm-hmm. is with us in those things. And regardless of how they turn out, you know, they turned out well. God is there. And he's, he's not surprised by those events. And he uses those events to grow our faith. I think that's such an interesting story. And thank you so much for sharing. And I love... The lesson that you took away from that, that God is with us, good, bad, otherwise, and the importance of community that goes along Mm -hmm. with that as well. So you have a passion for Yellowstone, despite this um, (laughs) incident, but originally you didn't enjoy hiking, um, but what changed your heart? I think time and maturity, really. Um, My parents took me to Yellowstone when I was 12 because they wanted to show my little brother and I that there was more to life than malls and movies. And Mm. they took us there. They took us back. They took us in the fall. They took us in the winter. Um, And I didn't love hiking from the very beginning. And, I mean, when I say I was once a reluctant hiker, it was 20 years I, I loved Yellowstone far before I loved hiking, um, but I I began to see that hiking took me to beautiful places. That mm. hiking, it I thought differently if I was outdoors, moving with soil under my feet. I mean, I had shoes on. It's not that I was out wandering around barefooted, but if I was walking, I felt like. I was connecting the truth of what God said in scripture to how that should work out in my daily life. And I saw that happening more and more the older I got. Um, And then the, the age and maturity aspect of it was just, I developed over time more of a willingness to do hard things. Um, when I was younger, I was, I'm unathletic. I'm very unathletic. I'm, I'm rather clumsy. Um, but as I got older, I, I had a more, a sense of more reward by doing things that were hard. I didn't like to be uncomfortable. I mean, I still don't, but I was more willing to go out and be cold or hot or get really tired or get hailed on. Um, and get wet than when I was younger. When I was younger, I was like, well, this isn't any fun anymore. I want to stop. So I think that's 
What made that change for you? Because I feel like the more that I've personally become an adult, the more I feel like Satan's planted fears in me that I didn't have as a kid. Like, I was more adventurous as a kid, I think, than the vice versa. You know, that's a really thought-provoking question. I, I think that I have the same fears now that I had when I was younger. I mean, when we first started going to Yellowstone, we barely got off the road. We, we would go on boardwalks where there were lots of people. Um, but we didn't go mm. really out in the woods because, like most people that I talk to about Yellowstone, the first question is, well, what about bears? And I think we spent mm. that whole first year convinced that a bear was going to eat us if we went off into the woods. Um, but I spent a lot of years after that worrying about bears but not being prepared for them. And eventually we ran into a bear and the, the theoretical what if became the practical what now, you know, that the, the worst thing that I could imagine has just happened or did happen. And now I don't wrestle with what if we run to a bear when we go out to Yellowstone, but I do wrestle with there are bears out there. What do I need to do to be prepared? And so I mm. I have the same fears. Uh, I mean, that's just one specific one, both in life and out on the trail. Um, but I, I have come face to face with it. And, and the big question for me is, what do I do with it now? Um, the, the Bible mm. says that Satan roams around like a roaring light and seeking for someone or seeking someone to devour. And, you know, Satan is not a, um, bear, but it's, it's the same in principle and learning to be prepared and not just worried has helped me deal with the fear that I have. I like that. Cause it, it sounds like you transition from the what if, uh, as you said, to the what now, and you transition to the more practical, the preparation side versus the, all of the theoretics, because when our mind gets trapped in the theoretics and the what ifs, um, it, it doesn't really resolve or help us prepare for what could, we could encounter. Yeah. yeah. What are some of your favorite things about Yellowstone or what are some of the things that you think make it especially unique? If someone's never been to Yellowstone, what should they know? What should they know? I've got a lot of questions in there. Um, some of my favorite things about Yellowstone are, you know, it's just big and there's a variety of things to do there. It's not like you go and do one thing in Yellowstone. Um, my husband and I usually go to Yellowstone for a week and we've spent whole weeks focusing on geysers and we've gone to Yellowstone and barely spent time on geysers. You can just... You can focus on many, many things. There's, it's so big that variety in the vegetation, in the geography, in the wildlife is so vast that you can focus on one thing or you can, you can just do a variety of things and have spent a day or a week really, really well. Um, when somebody asks me, what should I do when I go to Yellowstone? My list is so long that, that it can be, 
it it can make it a little it a little challenging to whittle down. Um, I've tried to get better at that over the years. But I think someone who's going to go to Yellowstone needs to know these three things. Yellowstone is big, it's beautiful, and it's busy. And by big, I mean it's two two point two million acres, and that's a hard number, at least for me to wrap my mind around. Anything with million in it sort of loses its meaning. <laughs> and so yeah. to start to contextualize that, it is uh, comparable in size to the states of Rhode Island and Delaware combined. Whoa. Well, Rhode Island and Delaware are very small states, but they're still states. Mm-hmm. And usually when we talk about a park, we're talking about something that we can see across, or uh, if we were going to go on a hike, hike from one end to the other, it might take a couple of hours. <laughs> um, and Yellowstone just doesn't fit that that mold very well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got about 300 miles of of public road, a little more than that, which is means it's going to take you a long time to get from one place to another. So it's that's the fact that it's big. The fact that it's beautiful is going to mean different things to different people. From a, a, a beauty standpoint, it's maybe not everyone's favorite. It's mine. But many people who've traveled to lots of different places as well might find other mountain ranges more lovely. Or they might be more drawn to the ocean than a mountain lake. But it has a diversity of beauty that makes it very unique. Or its uniqueness makes it, is part of what makes it beautiful. And the other part of that is that it's busy. Right now it's attracting more than 4 million visitors every year. And yeah, it's a lot of people. That's a city's worth of people on 300 miles of road. And some boardwalk (laughs) and a few parking lots so it's 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 really busy and I think those are three important things for people to know before they go to Yellowstone there's going to be a lot of driving and there's going to be a lot of people because sometimes we have this idea when we go from you know me here in the midwest or if you live in a city somewhere that it's going to be you and nature alone but it's going to be you and nature and Everybody else who wanted to see that same thing, seeing standing next to each other, and some people find that to be a, a major turnoff. I tend to look at it and say, "Isn't it great that we all get to see this thing?" Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a privilege, and it may not feel like we want it to feel, but I would rather have it be crowded and have us all be able to go then have it be something where they're limiting the number of people that come in. Yes, and I think that perspective of, like, how to view the people also there. I interviewed Casey from Casey's Compass, and she said something to the effect of, we are here admiring this beautiful thing of God's creation, but also all these other tourists are God's creation, too. So, um we can celebrate the people that are out here with us, but um, sometimes we do also need to just go and have our alone time with God too. So uh, to your point, it, it's a, it's a blessing and yeah. Right. Right. 
So along the way, as you've experienced Yellowstone, um, you've kind of started to tie this in with the landscape or terrain of faith um, and the journeys that we go on on our everyday life. Can you tell us a little bit about that? I can. Somewhere during the course of the last uh, 35 years, as I've been out in the woods and been walking, I started to notice that the Bible uses the imagery of walking a lot. You know, walk by faith, walk as the wise, uh, walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. And um, walking is something that we do every day, like n- not just once <laughs> a day, but all the time. And for most people, for, for most of us, it's something we do without giving any thought to. The reality is, like I said, I'm, I'm a little on the unathletic side. I'm kind of clumsy. If I'm on a flat surface, if I'm on a sidewalk, um, I can walk without difficulty. But if I'm out on the trail, I am very likely to trip over something. You know, there's going to be a hole in the in the path. There's going to be an exposed root. There's going to be a rock sticking up. There's going to be a patch of loose gravel where I'm walking down a slope that I'm going to slide down. And I started to understand that when God says, walk by faith, walk as the wise, walk worthy, that he's telling us to pay attention to how we're walking, that we can't just walk on autopilot. And, um, and I probably, when I'm out hiking, well, I'm certain when I'm out hiking with my husband, I pay way more attention to what's happening on the trail than he does because (laughs) he's not as likely to trip and fall as I am. Um, but I've also learned that if I pay too much attention to the trail, I miss what I'm walking through. Mm. I miss the very landscape that I've come to see. And so I have to balance looking at where I'm walking with what I'm walking through. Mm. And the way that I see that applying in life is that I believe that our lives, the events of our life unfold within a landscape. Uh, We've walked through things, we're walking toward things, and there's ups and downs along the way. There's um, really tough stretches, and there's there's places that are smooth. We've got green pastures and, and desolate deserts, really. And when I remember that I am walking through a full landscape, I'm not just stuck in a moment, it helps me look at the events of my life in a more hopeful, helpful, gospel-centered, redemptive way. It also helps me be aware of the fact that everybody else is walking through a landscape and they've got their own ups and downs to deal with and that it's all going to go better for all of us. Not that I get this as right as I would like to, but um, it's going to go better for all of us if if I am respectful of the fact that other people might be having a hard time and I'm not, 
if I notice other people rather than just spending time looking at my trail, if um, I pay attention to the things that might trip me up so I respond in faith rather than in faithlessness. And so those are kind of the faith lessons that, that I have kind of learned in terms of seeing life um, as unfolding in a landscape or a terrain. I really like that picture because it, it makes it tangible and it, it as you said, it, it takes your focus from the struggles in the here and now to that bigger picture and it gives us that clarity and that peace to better deal with the bumps in the road in the present. Are you looking to book your next travel adventure but don't know where to start? Are you looking to recline at the table with Jesus while relaxing at an all-inclusive resort, a cruise through the Bahamas, or simply crashing at a hotel with your ministry group? Look no further than Christian Travelers Network. We're able to save you time by researching and booking your travel dreams while focusing on our 2021 travel theme, Recline at the Table. For more information about our travel devotionals and to book your next adventure, go to christiantravelers.net forward slash travel booking. In your adventures in life and through hiking, how has your faith kind of grown um, through this perspective? I think my faith has grown because I've, I've had to believe that God was with me when things were difficult or I've had to stop. Um, you know, our family ran in, into a bear at close range and I think the very easiest thing for me to do would have been to decide, I'm done with this. I never liked hiking that much anyway. I can just turn my back on this and decide that I want to go on vacation to a spa from now on, you know, I don't need this. Um, but that's, that's not who I am. It's not who I was raised to be. And I don't think it's a right response. Um, God used that to teach me things about my marriage. He used that to teach me things about him. He used that to teach me things about walking by faith through the next hard things that would come. And like it took me a while to come to a love of hiking, it's taken a while. It takes a while to grow up in faith. You never really finish. We just, our faith grows as we need more faith. And our faith muscles allow us to do more things that build more faith muscles that allow us to do more things that build more faith muscles. And as I look back over my life and over my time on the trail, I, that's, that's how I see it, of those two things coming together. Uh, thank you so much. Thank, that is such an encouragement to hear just how you didn't give up when things kind of uh, could have stopped you, could have caused you to go to the spa instead. Uh, you saw that as an opportunity to continue to grow and trust God um, and learn the lessons that he had for you in that moment. 
So Natalie, are there any other things that you want to talk about, about Yellowstone, faith, travel, etc.? I wanted to mention that our, my start in Yellowstone was just a family vacation. And sometimes it's really easy to, for, for us to look at those things as just something that we do. But those things plant seeds in us. And when we take our children along, it plants seeds in them. And one of the things that seeds that is planted in my children is now they're really adventurous, and that's causing me to have to pray more. Um, my, my son went to Colorado alone this fall, you know, on the cusp of winter, and I, I had to really grapple with the fact that he was going off into the wild with bears by himself. And that has grown my, my faith. Um, my, but he's becoming who, who God has made him to be. Um, on our last trip to Yellowstone that I took with my husband and our, our youngest child, we did something my family's always wanted to do. We've always wanted to take this, it's just a half a mile hike back to, um, this place where, um, something called the boiling river is just a thermal feature flows into the, uh, to another river and we, you can get in and soak. You, you can't soak in thermal features in Yellowstone, but we wanted to hike back to this place and do that. It's, it's legal. And, um, my, my daughter really, really wanted to do that. Well, it was October and the weather turned as it has a tendency to do. And it was cold. It was 12 degrees. And I thought, I don't want to do this, but if she wants to do this, I'll do it. And we, we, we hiked, we took off our layers and got in the water and, and, uh, I sat there and, you know, moved from the cool place to the warm place to the cool place to the warm place. And, you know, even in that sense of, I'm kind of miserable, God taught me things and I was grateful that we did it. And we, we got out and then we had the adventure of, you know, drying off and getting all dressed again. And my daughter said, that was awesome. We never have to do it again, but that was awesome. (laughs) And when we include our kids in what seems like just a family vacation, or we take just a family vacation, whether it's far from home or close to home, that impacts their lives forever. And um, Yellowstone's a great place to impact their life. I love that. And I love that in the process of just giving your kids the opportunity to be vocal about what they want to do on family vacations, you kind of also had a lot of faith moments and opportunities for some of those conversations um, Mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. That same daughter, when she was four, I think, we were in Yellowstone, and my family likes to scramble up rocks. You can't climb in Yellowstone, um, but there are rock formations and things that my family likes to kind of shimmy up, and if we come across a glacial boulder somewhere that's the size of a house, someone in my family will end up on top of it, (laughs) 
And uh, when my daughter was four, it was her turn to join the group. And uh, so she went off and climbed a little with with her siblings at her dad. And she came back. Or, you know, I took pictures and stuff. And she came back. And I said, well, how was that? What did you think? And she said, um, well, I was... I was scared at first, but then I remembered the Bible, and I thought, well, that's interesting. What do you mean you remembered the Bible? And she said, well, the Bible said God is always with us, so I knew I didn't have to be afraid, and I thought, all right, you're four, and you're making the connections out here, <laughs> you know, um, and and I think that, that that's the thing with kids, when we talk to the, to, to them about it, and we let them make their connections, we share our connections, and we share our lives, whether we're at home or we're traveling, it enriches all of us spiritually. And so, you know, when it comes to if it's just you or you and a bigger family, I think it's really worth it to get outside, find a local trail, and um, just walk with with dirt rather than cement under under your feet. And let some fresh air fill your lungs and um, do what Matthew Henry says. I think he's so wise in this statement in talking about the birds of the air and the lilies of the field and the God who created them all. This is what he said. There is a great deal to be learned from what we see every day if we would but consider it. And when we, when we get out to a local state park, to a, a different national park, to Yellowstone, and we get out on the trail, we can consider things that we might not have to con- time to consider in our daily life. That's beautiful. It's true. When you're away from all of the distractions, it gives you the opportunity to think through things that your mind wouldn't otherwise. Well, Natalie, we have really enjoyed hearing about Yellowstone. One of the questions that I always ask our guests is, what has been your biggest God moment in all of your travels? I've had a few. I think the biggest has to be um, this one. And in sharing that, I'll tell you one of my favorite adventure quotes. Um, one of my one of my favorite outdoor writers, Tim Haykill. Tim Cahill defines adventure as physical or emotional distress reflected on in tranquility. And I didn't learn much about this particular event in the moment, but looking back, I've learned an awful lot. Um, That same day, no, not that same day, my, my, I didn't climb with my family for years. It just wasn't my thing. But I finally said, okay, I, I will climb. And we went to this picnic area that we everybody else has scrambled up rocks for years. And I made my picnic lunch like I always do while, you know, my son and middle child and husband were scrambling up the front. And my little one was eight, and she was going up and around the side of this cliff just taking a path up and down rather than climbing. And it came time to climb up this cliff, and I was I was dreading it. And it was because it's just not my thing. But um, 
my little girl came up to me and she said, Mommy, you can come with me. You can come my way. It's easier. And I said, no, no. I said, I would go up this cliff. And it's not as grandiose as it sounds. It's a um, cliff that's kind of broken up into a staircase. Mm-hmm. Um, so really, it's, it's, it's not walking. You have to climb from one step to another. Um, but I did that, and I got to the top. And my husband was standing there, and my middle daughter was standing there, and my son was across the meadow, and our little girl had just scampered up. And I hauled myself up, and I stood up, and I looked to the right, and I looked to the left, and I saw this brown, shaggy head. And I thought, what's what's a bison doing up here? And then... I looked more carefully, and I went, that's not a bison. That's a bear. Mm. And I said, oh, it's a bear, because, you know, you don't see a lot of bears. And so it was exciting for a minute. (laughs) And then I went, oh, it's a bear. And so, you know, my husband looked, and he, he said to my son, he's like, Mason, and he pointed at the bear, and he pointed at the ground where we were, and Mason started to come our way. And um, my little one said, oh, there's a bear. And she, and you know how kids do this thing where they announce what they're going to do? She said, I'm going to run. And I'm like, I, you know, you don't run from bears. That basically says, please chase me. I'm food. And so, you know, I clamped my hand down on her shoulder and I said, no, you stay right here. And then I turned because I thought we were going to climb back down this cliff, at which point my husband looked at me and said, no, <laughs> you know, I would probably die trying to climb back down the cliff. And uh, my husband stationed my son in the front. He said, you know how to get down, right? And and he said, yeah. So, you know, we started off in the direction the bear was not coming from. And the bear actually um, was on the path that my, my eight-year-old daughter had been going up and down. Oh earlier in the day and had just come up um and that that kind of was slowly registering was just just how close she had come and uh my son took off in the front the little one took off after him the middle daughter was between the little one and me she didn't even know there was a bear she just got in line because her dad said go and uh I kept saying to my son, Mason, is it still back there? Mason, is it still back there? And he would look, yeah, Mom, it's still back there. And it was getting closer and closer. And, um, you know, we weren't in a good situation to follow all the bear protocol standing on the edge of a cliff. What we had done, um, I had looked for uh, babies because – to come between a mama and her babies was just yeah. not a good thing. My husband had looked at the bear and kind of, <laughs> to the degree that he could, <laughs> said <laughs> he didn't think it looked threatening. <laughs> and, you know, and so we're, we're walking as quickly as we can without running. And somebody who was in the picnic area below called up and said, you've got a grizz. And there were people down there which, again, as soon as we discovered ourselves up there with, with this bear, I felt that sense of collective un, uh, aloneness. Um, but God 
again, provided people, they couldn't do anything for us, not a thing. But there were still people there, which drove home that sense that we need community. And we kept moving, and the bear, being made for that terrain, and we are not, was gaining on us all the time. Um, at In the end, the closest the bear probably was, you know, the shortest distance was about 12 feet between us and the bear, which is not... There's not enough room there. <laughs> um, and, I mean, the, the standard is you're supposed to stay 100 yards away from bears, but they don't actually have to keep that. That's that's up to us to keep, not not them. <laughs> and um, and uh, we're just walking, and at some point in there, I actually verbally cried out, and I said, oh, God, please help us. And um, almost immediately, a human form came into my field of vision walking our direction on the path and uh, it was a ranger and I think he was nearby because if there's a bear by the road there's usually a ranger also nearby to to keep space between the people and the bear and he came over because it was a picnic area and he needed to move people out of the way and he looked at me and he said, did you know it was up there? And it didn't register immediately that I probably wasn't going to die uh, because if I was in that much danger, he wouldn't be taking a moment to chastise me, <laughs> you know? And I said, no, no, we did not know it was up there. And, you know, he he was getting out bear spray because he was um, – over there to, to haze the bear away from the picnic area, more toward a less populated area of the river, which is where the where the bear was headed, which is why he kept following us. He was on the same path we were. And, uh, you know, we, we got past the ranger and we got to the parking lot, and I, I could have kissed the ground. Um, I just felt like we, you know, we had, we had been at death's door and we lived. But I was so grateful that um, I had grown enough that I actually cried out to God. I just didn't hope (laughs) that he was with me. I knew he was with me, and I asked him for help, and immediately he provided it. And everyone was safe. And even if we hadn't all been safe, he the same God regardless, but I'm so grateful that um, he preserved our family, and I have learned so much about walking by faith just personally with him and about trusting him with my children, Um, just uh, living in harmony with other human beings, um, living in harmony in my marriage. Uh, just from that one little thing. We've also been learned to be a lot more careful. We had gotten too comfortable. We went to that picnic area multiple times when we when we go to Yellowstone, and it started to feel like our backyard. Mm. And um, so we had bear spray. It was in the car, mm. and it wasn't going to do us any good. And our 8-year-old daughter had no business going up and down that trail by herself. We had gotten too comfortable in the land of carnivores and uh, clawed things, and 
uh, just like sometimes it's too easy for me to get too comfortable in my life and forget that Satan prowls like a roaring lion looking for somebody to devour. And so I'm grateful. I'm not always grateful in the moment for um, situations like that, but I am grateful for the effect of it in my interaction. That's awesome. And thank you so much for sharing that story. And I'm so glad that everyone was safe um, and that God (laughs) worked through that situation for sure. Thanks. Me too. Well, Natalie, we have really enjoyed having you on the podcast. How can our listeners connect with you outside of this episode? They can uh, get up connect with me at natalieosborne.com and they will find encouragement to navigate the landscape of life by faith there and at Instagram at Natalie Osborne, Natalie underscore Osborne. I gave you a couple of links and one of those is to a guide for uh, that's titled Engage Your Terrain, Less Autopilot, More Life, and that is for trying to live by faith, trying to, to frame your life in a faith-filled way. I also uh, gave you one for mapping out your Yellowstone adventure. I help others map out their Yellowstone adventure, make their Yellowstone adventure better. So that's a free download. Um, I can also be accessed to help with that through um, natalieosborne.com at your Yellowstone guide. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, and we'll make sure to have those in the show notes. Uh, We have really enjoyed having you on the podcast. Thank you so much for uh, teaching us about Yellowstone and sharing your stories. Well, thank you for having me, and thank you for your work you're doing with this. I think it's a really um, neat concept that you've got. Well, thank you. Well, Christian Travelers, I hope that you have enjoyed today's episode and that you will go check out those resources from Natalie and hopefully go on an adventure to Yellowstone. Um, Even if you encounter some bison and bears, um, you'll also grow in your faith at the same time. And uh, there are, as Natalie said, some practical things that you can do to keep yourself safe at the same time. Additionally, I want to once again remind you that we are coming up on two years of podcasting and to celebrate in episode 104, we'll be announcing our giveaway winner for our Christian Travel Planner. So if you go to christiantravelers.net forward slash giveaway, you can enter for a giveaway there. Additionally, if you are looking for similar podcasts uh, that talk about hiking and adventuring, I highly recommend our episode number 15, How Hiking Puts God in Perspective with Chris Darren. In this episode, Chris talks about his adventures hiking the John Muir Trail, 80 miles of it on his own, and it was one of the biggest challenges he ever faced, but he also grew a lot in his faith. And of course, if you like today's episode, we really encourage you to subscribe, leave a review, or share it with a friend. All of those things help our content get shared with other listeners. But until next time, safe travels and God bless.